friends. Today I get to welcome a super cool friend of mine that I used to work with at the Oregon Convention Center. We spend the first 25 minutes or so talking about a guy we used to know who went to prison for murder. Uh, the full story, if you want to check it out, is in episode five, Murder. Uh, we get into some COVID stuff, uh, then it got really exciting. Stick around for some awesome conversation about when Tony was learning how to survive in the woods with the trackers team, and then we go into robots and AI, forging steel to make tools, viral videos, preparing kids for the future and college, looking at butts on Instagram, colonizing Mars, Bryce Dallas Howard on Black Mirror, and all kinds of other creative thoughts and ideas. I'm so glad I got to spend some time with this guy, and I know that we will have many more episodes together. I love him. Here he is, my friend, Antonio Bavacqua. I think it was the fifth episode. I just tell the story of our friend at the convention center that is in prison. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, was... Yeah. Boy, do I have some stories about that. Um, yeah. You, you were there when that happened, right? I was, I was hanging out with them the day after it happened. And then, so let me, how much does the audience, is, is this like, should I ex, like sort of pre you can explain a little bit or just go? Okay. No, you can set it up. Okay, cool. So, um, <clears throat> convention center, what work colleague we could say. Yeah. Let's say, uh, we'll name them, uh, X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> X, I guess. That works. Um, X Marine, uh, was, went, he was in tour of, um, Iraq twice. He was, so he Something was, like yeah, that. deployed and, and he saw a little bit of combat. He wasn't really like, in, uh, you know, in combat, but he, he was like, you know, involved with, I never got the full details. It was always shifty with his stories, but <clears throat> um, definitely, you know, he made it seem like, yeah, he had some like firsthand experience with some nasty mm -hmm. violence, active, you know, witnessing some active violence. And so anyway, uh, that just sort of, it just, you know, to kind of color the background a little bit of, you know, who this guy is. Um, so what? This year, what happened that, that was like 2011? It was 2010, May 2010. 2010. Okay, so I got hired in 2009 with Ravi. We can mention his name, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so I was hanging out with X soon after that because we were like pretty fast friends, mm -hmm. pretty quick, mainly because we just like to go sneak around and smoke some weed up in the... Uh, <laughs> Ah. Up on top of the oh uh, man yeah oh hanging up at the uh, uh, yep on the roof there and uh, you know watching the sunset or early early morning as well like yeah. uh, you know six a.m. shift mm -hmm. we had a lot that was it that was the thing was that we had a lot of um, morning shifts and we did a lot of like breakout room sessions together and so we were sort of like paired and, and you know and then there was a lot of times where we were paired up to uh, hang drape and stuff like that so mm -hmm. there was a lot of hours of just hanging out. Um, and so did, did you hang out with him? Yeah. After, after that went down in May, mm -hmm. like things were weird, right? He, I mean, when he came back, he was, yeah, he was sort of little, um, those, he, he was nervous for a few days mm -hmm. and this was during the world, this is 2010. So the world cup was happening. So this is the strange part is that 
the World Cup, the games were like at six in the morning or something like that, seven in the morning. And so we were slated one day, the day that it happened. Um, or I'm sorry, not the day that it happened, but the day that he was apprehended for questioning mm-hmm. was on a soccer day. And so we were hanging out. We were, we were at the Thirsty Lion downtown. One of those British pubs or something like that mm-hmm. downtown. <clears throat> to watch the game you know this was like at seven in the morning and uh we were i was waiting for him for a few hours or whatever and then he finally showed up at the end of the game and the second another match was gonna queue up or whatever and so we're gonna spend the whole morning there and then he showed up and he was just like white as a ghost Mm -hmm. you know and totally like and i'm like dude what happened where are you where were you and he's like and then he just kind of like started making some sort of story like uh, oh yeah, I, I, I was, you know, they had the cops over at my house and, you know, they were looking through some stuff and, and, uh, they stole his phone too, right? They, yeah. They stole his phone and it was all because, and, and he kind of just alluded to some like crazy ex-girlfriend, but not the, the one that, that we was, knew that we knew. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was just some other girl that he was just recently hooking up because he was hooking up. He was going to clubs and, you know, he was hooking up with some crazy, I mean, crazy women. So there was tons <laughs> of stories about him, like, hooking up with I didn't know any of that. crazy women. Yeah. So this that's why it was weird because, like, I didn't know he was fixated on this one particular one that was in question. Well, yeah. I, right? I, I so had I no... thought he was already out, like, you know... I had no idea about... that he and her had any involvement until after all that stuff happened. Exactly. It wasn't... I, I didn't become aware of that until afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it, so it just threw me a, like, you know, like, sidestep, like, what? Like, because mm-hmm. I remember he... Uh, uh, we would hook up, hang out, go for some drinks, and then split, you know, at the end of the night... And then he would go party mm-hmm. and then, you know, I'd see him the next day, at, you know, two o'clock shift and he's all like hungover and he was just talking about how he was like, you know, he hooked up with these girls and, you know, brought yeah. him back to his place and yada, yada, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's why the whole thing was like weird. So I thought, oh, okay, he probably hooked up with some chick from the club, you know, how, you know, it could be kind of crazy and, you know, those sort of situations. And then, um, so I thought, okay, that was you know, sort of there and it was done and it was over. So then it was like a month later Then he got, you know, he was apprehended Mm -hmm. for sure and charged. So, um, and that's when like, you know, everything opened up and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, he, it happened in May Mm -hmm. of 2010. Mm -hmm. And then he, as far as I remember, he didn't get picked up until December. So he worked there with us for like seven months. Yeah. And dude, you could tell like shit was fucked up Mm -hmm. and he was going through something. Yeah. And I just thought like his grandma died or he broke up with the girlfriend or something like that. Yeah. We had, we had no idea that he was dealing with all of that. Yeah. And yeah, then they, they picked him up in December and arrested him and That's right. was found December. all that yeah. shit out. Yeah. So we had like good six months or so just about, because I remember the, um, there was sort of like, I had a flashback of like when he, apparently he, the night of the incident happened, he cut his hand or something like that. Yeah. And I remember um, working on the shift the next day of that incident and he was there and then he had a split because his hand was cut or something like that. And I just didn't pay attention because we were focused on, like, you know, whatever it was that we were doing. Yeah. And so then uh, – but I remember it was like uh, um, a cop came over, called me up to check Dills' office. 
and they were asking me like, do you remember seeing, you know, person's ex hand cut? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I kind of do, but I don't remember exactly. Like I thought he did hurt it, you know, like I wasn't, they were asking me if I witnessed him getting cut or, you know, was in his, you know, in his presence when the, that incident happened, but apparently, you know, that was from the night before. And did you, did you have to go up north to testify? No, no, no. Cause no. I know. Because I know Dugan, it was Dugan, Billy, Chuck, who else? I think Cassie had to go too. Cassie as well. Yeah. I think that was it. Cause there were the ones, I don't remember why they were tied in, but they were tied in to the day of that questioning of like, you know, who witnessed his hand cut that day or whatever, mm-hmm. or something like that. I think that was yeah. the main sort of like. So it, it, in between May and December, he never confided in you in any way to like let you know that something had happened? No. So that's the whole thing is um, from after the World Cup, which was in June, right? He was starting to become very like flaky. Like we were, we were supposed to like hang out and he wouldn't show up and, you know, we would meet up. At, like we would say, hey, let's go have beers after work. And he'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see you, you know. And then wouldn't show up and stuff like that. And so. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> well, I'll explain it. <laughs> Is that me or you? <laughs> <laughs> that was you. <laughs> um, it was so, a wild yeah. time, man. It was that a wild, was wild time. To, and it to... was that whole time. But that was the weird thing is there was a lot of shifts where we would be on the lift together and, and you know, just like he wouldn't. You know, and can everything you, was normal. It was like, dude, yeah. You know? Can you imagine like going through what it took, you know, to drive up there three hours, do what he did, yeah, drive back, and then try to pretend that it didn't happen and like go to work? Well, that's the whole thing, and that's why I was talking about his experience in Iraq and stuff like that. So I'm no, I know that he probably witnessed some heavy shit and was able to be like, okay, this is traumatic or whatever, and then I'm gonna like, you know, erase it. Mm-hmm you know, and live on like it never happened and then create some sort of story that to live off by, you know, that mm-hmm. some alternate reality, alternate reality, yeah. you know, and you just lay your eggs there. Yeah. So that was just nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really wild. Yeah. That shit actually happened. And did you ever see her again? No, no. She disappeared. Like, yeah, I don't, you know, I'd love to see her, but like, that's, that's a weird conversation. I'd like to watch say. that episode on your <laughs> podcast. <Yeah. laughs> I'll definitely look forward to it. I, I have only worked sort of um, like I've seen her at the convention center and maybe, you know, and just said like, hello and introduced myself as like when I was working at picture this and, and you know, she was there mm-hmm. and she was sort of like our, our assigned tech to, mm-hmm. you know, to help us with the ballroom and stuff like that. And um, I mean, I just remember she was cute mm-hmm. You know, but that was it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like she didn't stand out. Like I wasn't. No, like, there there were tons of that people that worked there that had crushes on her, and I I could tell she was always like dealing with people who were just, just hand dogging. Yeah, like left yeah. and right. And but I had no idea that her and him had anything. Yeah. And then that went down, and I honestly don't remember when she stopped working there. But it had to have been. She stopped right before I got hired. Robbie and I got hired there. It was Robbie, myself, Bridget. Well, so it was five of us. John Henry. Do you remember when it was? And uh, that was 2009, August. August of 2009? End of August, early September, yeah. Okay, so that would have been like mm-hmm. almost a year before that happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize it was that much, that far. Yeah. I was thinking she was there. 
well, when she was, it happened. No, no, no. She was there. She was there a few times afterwards, like called in as an extra hand or whatever, you know. But yeah, I never, I didn't, yeah, I didn't like um, interact with her very much, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. I know that she was just there and like I knew who she was. Um, I mostly I knew who she was because she sang the Star Spangled. Apparently, her claim to fame was that she sang the Star Spangled Banner um, at the Blazer game and a few other places or something like that. Really? Like she, yeah, because she's a singer of some sort of country band. No, you're talking about someone else. Is that someone else? Am I <laughs> yeah. confusing the two then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know who you're talking about. Oh, okay. I thought she was the same. I thought no, she, she's not. No, she, no, 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 no. She worked at OPB, right? Or did some editing yeah, or some. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. And then it was the other girl. Uh-huh. Yeah, what's her name? That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of people that went through that building. Dude. I worked there four years and there were probably 30 different people. Yeah. That came through there. Yeah. But it was a like. A lot. Yeah. It was like the most unique group of people I've ever been around. Like no one was really supposed to be there. They all just kind of got a job there because they wanted to make money and like pursue whatever yeah. creative thing they were trying to do. But man, did that change? Apparently, Probably around after you left too, because it became more. Um, they were like they finally the department were like, oh, we got to take this serious, like with the tax and like and stuff like that. So beforehand, when like Rod was sort of managing. The culture was like everybody was just hustling on their own and using this as a side job just to make a little extra cash. So yeah. it wasn't like important. It wasn't um, nobody took what they did serious, you know, like yeah. that was serious enough to do it, but not like, you know, I'm a career sound guy or I'm a mm-hmm. career, you know, camera dude or lighting dude or anything like that. No, it was mainly just a place you showed up. You to, just shut up uh, and just did, you know. Did what you had to do for eight hours and you got paid and yeah. you went home. Go home, get drunk or whatever. Yeah. And uh, those are the glory days. And then it shifted. After Rod left, the culture shift. And then it was more like we need more professional AV staff and more, you know. So then it, it started bringing in more of these people who are just like, I'm, you know, I'm so-and-so sound guy. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. so-and-so camera guy. And, you know. Uh, and then that whole, I, I, I it. It pissed me off that whole shift to everybody wanted to unionize mm-hmm. and start getting you know benefits out of this place, and mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, this is not this is not the place to get this, you know. Yeah. This is not the milk, or this is not the cow that you get that kind of milk, you mm-hmm. know. I kept trying to tell people that. <laughs> Pay attention to the <laughs> analogy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're talking about cows and milk. I know it. And I kept telling folks, "This is like, no, this is you're going to get a shitty deal, like trying to you know be a." union with a part-time sort of you know with no guarantee of like hours and then trying to like pay for these dues and those just get gouged which they do so yeah well and now nobody works there they (laughs) essentially all got laid off as far as i know there's two people in upper management and everyone else is gone that's heartbreaking that is heartbreaking it's incredible yeah as far as i know and this could be wrong as far as i know the state or, mm-hmm. or or the city has basically shut it down. They're like, you cannot do anything here, period. Yeah. yeah. The only thing they can do right now is uh, OHSU's got the test facility. And they got, what, like two, three exhibit halls reserved for if the pandemic, if the, if the, if, um, if the patients exceed the amount of beds in the three major hospitals mm-hmm. in Portland, then they'll open up the uh, 
convention center to have ventilators and overflow uh, overflow yeah. yeah and at that point if you do i mean god forbid i mean if, if they open up the convention center for overflow you're done <laughs> yeah it's death camp because you nobody i mean just from what i've seen from the studies from where I work and then just sort of, I've been following a lot of the, you know, sort of how they do it in New York with the overflow work uh-huh. and just like, wow, people are, when people go to the overflow, there's a lot more increase of death. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have the same technology, right? It's both technology. You're not getting people, you're nurses. Just, you're, it's just, you know, it's just, everything's patchwork or whatever. So your personal health plan does not come in play, you know? So whatever medis- medicines or whatever, you just get treated as like, you know, the same. And so you don't fare very well, you know? And at that point, they're kind of just getting people who are just like, you know, like unhealthy to begin with, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like, you know, it's just a maintain spot basically yeah 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 it's really bad but i mean they're still they're not sending people there yet no 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 to be to but clear n- nobody's being sent right now <laughs> but, you're but saying i'm saying if this, you get sent this there, likely scenario you should buy a mo- coffin you should buy a coffin or just <laughs> yeah or don't go to the hospital oh man if you feel sick um i feel bad i mean i just it's just there's not enough staff people it, it's just gonna tax people because mm-hmm. um you have nurses or you know uh Everybody that's involved with sort of uh, critical care and patient care, they'll be affected, right? So they'll have to be quarantined. And then if they get depleted, there's no backup. There's no bench, you know, to the bench. There's pretty much at that point, you're utilizing the bench for the hospital to, you know, sort of starter at the uh, convention center. Yeah, all those all those guys. Or any other the fairgrounds and all that stuff. So. They they must just be so stressed out right now. Yeah. It must mean, be insane. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to work every day and you have no idea yeah. what's going to happen, how many people are going to come in, mm-hmm. how many people are going to die. Or if you're going to get it. Or if you're you going to get or it. Or if you're going to get it, like, you know, some people will get it and not feel anything. Some people mm-hmm. will get it and be completely wiped out, you know. Yeah. And you don't know. Yeah. I. That's the weird part. I talked to uh, my buddy's uh, mother-in-law and she said her husband had it a couple months ago. He had a headache for three days and he was fine. Then I talked to yeah. a, a girlfriend of mine last night. She had it in June. She still can't smell or taste anything. Wow. Five months later. Yeah. So some people, you can't tell anything. Some people die. Some people right. can't smell five months later. Some people get a headache. Yeah. It's got to be like the weirdest It's not virus. consistent. No. Right? Like uh, the cold, you know what to expect. You're going to get the sniffles. You're going to get a headache. Probably feel, you know, drained with energy. Uh, with this, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. I thought I had, I don't know. I thought I had it back in February because I got sick February and I was laid out for about like uh, three, four weeks. Like two weeks, I was like, I could barely, like I, I yeah, I could barely move around, and, you know. And then, then there was the like subsequent like two weeks afterwards that, so yeah, it was over like a month. Where it was just, uh, yeah, this is like this lingering like thing, just like, you know, I had respiratory like uh, phlegm and just like stuffy that was... nose and then just, yeah, it mm-hmm. felt like a flu, but I wasn't vomiting or, you know, I had fevers and it was weird. Yeah. That was in the early days. Did you know what it was at that point? No, because it was, oh, I didn't get tested. I yeah. just called in sick and, you know, chalked it up to, I thought it was the flu. Yeah. 
But then afterwards, it's like I've talked to a few other people that have had similar sort of episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, yeah, I've talked to folks that did just had, a, you know, they just lost the sense of smell and, you know, had, uh, you know, like a runny nose or some sort of, you know, congestion with their, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And then I have not met anybody who's died of it or I've not. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, mean, I'm not, I don't know anybody who's died of it. Yeah. I'm still, uh, you know, thank goodness. But mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, from the folks that have had it, it was, you know, from either a, a mild cold like symptoms to like just being laid out in bed for a lot of days. Yeah. Yeah. So have you still not been tested? Yeah, I've been tested twice. Yeah. Uh, got tested in because I had a close encounter back in June, mm -hmm. June, July, around there. Uh, so I got tested then, and that was negative. And then I got tested again uh, about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, since then, I've just been like, I've been sitting at home and like I'm with my kids, go to grocery, and with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I've been relatively like, not intermingling with mm -hmm. strangers and you're following the rules. You're yeah. The right yeah. Thing. Well, that's the thing is like, um, there was several sort of, I had several gigs, uh, lined up where I had to be with working colleagues in the same space and stuff like that. So we all had to get tested and get quarantined and sort of like coordinate this like effort to do these events that we mm -hmm. had uh, a few weeks back and, and whatnot. So it was, yeah, it was just a pain in the ass. Yeah, I, I went on a job recently where they required that every single person there had to have uh, a negative test within 72 hours yeah. of the date. And they were even testing people on site. Yeah. And so, dude, I think it's just going that direction. Until they figure it out, they're just going to – Yeah. It's going to be a thing. You and that's why the numbers are so high is because everybody's getting tested now. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, you know, the testing was – it took too long to to get your re, re, um, your results back, and you know there wasn't enough areas to get the testing done. So yeah. now that's why we're seeing a lot of numbers in the last you know few weeks or whatever. Well, it, a lot more people are getting tested. Some some of the tests aren't very accurate either, which is kind of yeah. That's the other thing. That's you know? what that's what skews the numbers, right? Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen a lot of people. Uh, Famously, like, uh, was it Elon Musk? Did Elon, that? Yeah. Four of them. Four. Two of them were positive, two of them were yeah. negative. Same nurse. Yeah. yeah. Same test yeah. four times in a row. Yeah. 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 That sucks. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? Exactly. I, it, what can you trust? Right. And so we have these numbers, they seem really high. And you're like, okay, how many of them are false positives? You know? And, yeah. And we can't dispute, we have no power to dispute it. We're not mm -hmm. scientists. You know, we don't have our own <laughs> self, you know, homemade test out, you know, in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, but it kills, you know what kills, it really kills me that, you know, despite that I had a love-hate relationship with the convention center, it kills me that there are folks who are earnest, earnestly good people mm -hmm. and that have been there for a long time and they're just like, sorry, you can't be here, you know. There's no work for, you know, there's no, like, you're done. <laughs> it's incredible to <laughs> Go me. Go to the shelf. That uh, the, the weird disconnect to me is that there are stipulations and rules and laws for certain groups, but not for others. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. The, the grocery stores have mm -hmm. never closed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the restaurants have gone back and forth between you either had to pick up the food or you could go inside, but yeah. it was limited capacity. They definitely oscillate. 
Uh, gyms were closed for a long time. Then they opened. Then I had a membership and I would go there and they said you had to wear your mask from when you walked in to when you got to a machine. Yeah. And then once you got on the machine, you didn't have to wear it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then one day they came to me and they're like, we changed the rule. You have to wear it on the machine now. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to run with a fucking mask on, on the treadmill. Yeah. That's not going to work. No. And so I canceled my membership and then I just saw they, they closed again in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, you can still fly in an airplane, but you yeah. got to wear a mask. Like there's no um, churches. You can yeah. still meet in churches if it's less than 25 people. Yeah. With the appropriate spacing between folks yeah, and groupings. It's like there's it's, no real rhyme or reason to any of it. No, it, it's very confusing. Look, it, pandemics like this is a new one. There's no, uh, this is all sort of being made up as it goes along, you know? Yeah. And even though there's like, you can talk about Bill Gates's plan 201 or whatever it was, 201, I think it was called something, something 201, event 201. To vaccinate everyone? Uh, No, the, this was sort of a, utilize, this was about 2018. They did a small, like pandemic sample, Uh like they created a little pandemic in a little in a specific location. And so they just ran these simulations basically. So like looking at, you know, what's it going to cost them, you know, for resources, what's it going to cost on human life? What's it going to be cost on, you know, all these economic sort of pointers, you know, so they were looking at different metrics and basically, um, you know, it it was sort of like a, a, a a guide, you know, kind of creating a, a guide for, where we're at today yeah you know so sort of slightly blueprint so a lot of people are questioning whether was this a an act to enact this thing that happened you know because man globalist (laughs) the fucking globalist i don't want to get alex jones on you but i mean it's there's there's fair enough to put in question and be like huh you know with a lot of things yeah no i agree and every day i'm just like i'm balancing between where I work and the the raw numbers and and, and frontline people and I'm in these like uh, you know basically I, I I've been video conferencing and video streaming you know all these sort of uh, COVID nineteen meetings and stuff like that so I'm like on a day to day pretty much like getting you're, hip you're... on the you know what's 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 happening what's yeah. you know what's forthcoming and what's sort of anticipation and response basically. So with all that, there is a lot of different uh, attitudes and feelings, but the general attitude is the one of the popular, you know, the popular sort of media attitude, you know, that it's the end of the world and everybody, you know, is immune, you know, is not immune to this and uh, everybody's in danger to the point where I'm like, man, they're overdoing it. They're overselling it, you know? So you start kind of like repelling against it. But then at the same time, like you can get skeptical, you can get too skeptical and you know, just go down that rabbit hole, and it's it's, it's tough, thing. man. Because yeah. I mean, the biggest issue is you just don't know who who's telling you the truth and what their motive is, and who's yeah. paying them to tell you what they right. are telling you. Yeah, and everything's so politicized nowadays. Yeah. You know, especially the attitude towards you know medicine has become very uh, political and, and polarized in, in its sense because it's always like. Um, there's different ways. There's attitudes towards like this whole thing that um, everything is horrible because 
everybody's marginalized and people of color or in, you know, yada, yada, you, you put in the acronym of whatever, mm-hmm. uh, they're always uh, at the short end of the stick. So there's always that advocacy of going on. And then there's the advocacy of like, you know, uh, the majority needs to do this in order for this to happen so that we can have a better, you know, society or whatever, mm-hmm. or a safer society. So those two things are always continuously just like, you know, interplaying and conflicting and and uh, it's just so many people get lost in the muck of that, you know? Well, and the weird thing to me, and I'm not, I'm not a proponent for just letting millions of people die. I don't know what the answer is. I'm a fucking idiot. But the thing to me is that that is how we have gotten to where we mm-hmm. are over a million years of evolution. Yeah. That's how me and you are alive. That's how our grandfathers and grandmothers are alive yeah. because their bodies were strong enough to withstand to withstand whatever was going on yeah and i don't i don't know what the answer is but like the, all this stuff is happening right now and it's it's a horrible thing for a lot of people but for a lot of people it's not no and everything is just getting destroyed yeah. economically yeah. um the the amount of people that are just at home without other people yeah. you know the depression the um loneliness disconnect the lo- oh that's man sort of, you know yeah. the, the ramifications of what is going on right now which honestly i don't think anyone knows what they're doing i don't no. think they do no they they're trying to minimize risk and minimize death it's all about mitigation yeah but it's really i don't think anybody knows what they're doing they're all just like, oh fuck, uh, we gotta do, we gotta make it look like we care about something. What are yeah. we gonna do? React and respond. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's a tough thing to be. Uh... And then again, at the same time, like we're living in the greatest, like in human history, we're pretty much at the cream of the crop right now. Oh, it's never been better. It's never been better. I mean, look at us. We're podcasting right here, right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean. This would uh, ten years ago to do something like this was near impossible. Mm-hmm. Now you can just easily do this. You yeah. know, small investment it mm-hmm. takes. It used to be a bigger investment. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole thing. Is like as we progress into the future, more things become uh, the facilities of things become easier by way of you know just this whole open market economy and just you know people sort of continually push for new innovations and and we're communicating and we're broadening the scope of our potential. Yeah. And at the same time, it's coming at the cost of like this like cancerous, you know, uh, corroding uh, thing, you know, of how to mitigate risk and, um, you know, help every last drop of one of us, you know, mm-hmm. on one hand. And then on the other mm-hmm. hand, there's the, you know, nihilistic who wants to destroy everything. Yeah. You know, so. Well, yeah, I mean, you go you go far enough and you start getting into eugenics. Yeah, well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, anybody who can't survive any fucking virus mm-hmm. or disease that comes along. Yeah. I mean, get rid of them. Yeah. You know, that's eugenics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's the other side mm-hmm. where you want to, and dude, that's the thing. That's where we're getting with, we're, we're becoming so technologically advanced. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to reach a point where we can save every person's life regardless of what is going on. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right, right. I'm right. all about humans. I'm all about yeah. keeping people alive. But you've got to reach a point somewhere where that's not 
that's that goes against evolution. You know what I mean? That goes against the laws of nature. You can't you can't solve every problem. Then you have 300 trillion people trying to survive on this tiny little planet. I don't know what well, I don't know what I'm trying to it. say, but You just said it. You can't solve every problem, but you can create a new one. You can always create a new one. And that's the free market the 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 market economy of like creating a new problem to solve. Um, you know, so we're in this epic right now of like race awareness, you know, so there, that's a problem to solve. And that was sort of like what, 15 years ago in the mainstream, like, yeah, we have racism, but that's sort of buried. And now we're, you know, kumbaya loving it. And now it's like coming back and it's saying like, no, there's still, you know, uh, things undone here mm-hmm. that needs to be tended to. And so, uh, within that, that's just opening a new vassal of different uh, problems that people. You well, know, yeah, and, dude, and it just becomes like little economies that people are. I don't know if this is the same for you, but I'm in such a bubble. Like I don't witness racism, and I'm not racist. I, right. I think you should judge people based on their character. Yeah. Who cares anything else? If you're a good person, you're a good person. Yeah. And uh, every time something like this happens, I'm just like. Are we still dealing with this? Yeah. Really? Like there's so many other things to fucking deal with right now. Yeah. We're yeah. still dealing with that, really? Yeah, yeah. God damn it. Yeah, it's we didn't so get over the hump on that one. No. That's a good question. So, yes, in a way we're we're in a bubble because we don't see this overt racism. So nowadays the whole uh quest, you if you will, is about implicit bias. And so it's all the sort of unwritten cultural, unwritten rule of thumbs and the cultural sort of norms that we sort of adhere to that is being put to question. Mm -hmm. And where those areas lead to some sort of uh, marginalization of anybody, Mm -hmm. you know. So racism uh, will always exist because there's always going to be some sort of sub uh, category of inequity. Mm -hmm that will be attributed to racism for better or worse, you know? I was thinking about it the other day and I was like trying to imagine if you went back in time, like 200, 300,000 years. And if, you know, groups were so spread out, they didn't even know the other ones existed. Yeah. If you just went back in time and you grabbed those groups and you put them together, I was like, what would happen? Well, they'd fucking kill each other. For sure. Because, and I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying- it's just That's, natural. It's natural. Yeah. You you want to cling to your group, and you want to you want to eliminate anything else that's different from you. Even and that's the, not right, but yeah. that's that's what it has been. Even with the same species of animals, it will concur or occur. The same phenomenon will occur. So, mm-hmm. like in biology, they look at like ant colonies. So ant colonies, you look at them, you're like, all right, red ants are red ants. Mm-hmm. So if a red ant colony from Gresham you know, bumps up against a red ant colony from Troutdale, let's say, or something like that, or, or you know, wherever. <laughs> yeah. One of these little, you know. Yeah. You know, so there, then there's going to be a majority minority sort of uh, problem there, mm-hmm. you know. And so it becomes, uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't take the queen from the Troutdale and in some, you know, insert it into the yeah. society. It would just get needed up, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it's just like we no matter what we were so tribal we have these like we're connected to our family and our family's connected yeah. to our you know relatives our relatives are connected to a broader you know 
group of other relatives that are, you know, that make up a society. And then there's a culture around mm -hmm. that because everybody has behaviors. Mm -hmm. and, and just, but, so how do, how do you get rid of it then? Do you just need another million years of intermingling? And yeah. uh, I mean, then I everybody's one color? There's no... Like, I don't know what you do. Well, the extermination on one hand is what the globalists want, which is to create transhumanism. Right. So then there's the super species. The super species of transhumanism will do away with the burdens of racism and inequities and uh, any other marginalized uh, sort of behaviors in the future. Right. Because you mean the becoming super fused with AI? AI. Yes. AI. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. But it's going to be uh, our biology, technology, mm -hmm. and then software. Well, that's that's the thing, dude. We're not going to need bodies. No, I mean that's point. the thing. At one point, I mean, and that's the whole thing. Because I mean, man, you look at sort of programs where like people want to go to space and yeah. colonize Mars. You know, in order to do that and get like a group of people to do that, they're going to have to be superhuman to you know go live in Mars. Mm -hmm. So that's like one area where you know there's a trajectory there's a target for transhumanism another one is sort of a, a a historical one where you're looking at resolving the issues of territory and um property mm -hmm. so there's the the transhumanism globalist movement will do away with the need of having private property you're part of a system sort of like a borg where then everything you are connected, you benefit from being connected, you contribute to being connected, you're part of the connection, the connection therefore exists to maintain a new order of, uh, you know, sort of. Yeah, so if you're just, if you're just, you exist on a hard drive, why, why do you need space at all? Like physical, you don't need, you don't have a body, you don't need to eat, you don't need land, you don't need a house, right. you're just a thing on a computer chip in a server farm. So, I mean, I, right, that's, that's right, where... Right. Resources for those things will matter. That's true. You know, so therefore, we'll still have humans, you know, serving... <laughs> serving the mainframe. The, yeah, the mainframe. Whether, like in the Matrix, you know, they say like, you know, they they tap into your body and they suck your, the energy from your body to help, what, create the energy so that uh, the Matrix can exist. Mm-hmm. So there's that sort of uh, layout or blueprint. And then there's other uh, layouts where it's just more of like um, humans become very, very minimal in their consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so they, uh, they only serve just sort of a small function in society and they're maintained as pets. We become the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and or then, like, and then know, the robot follows us around with a bag and cleans up our shit. Pretty much, yeah. No. Cleans up our shit. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you'll have all the, I mean, we'll be accessorized, fully accessorized huh. with all the, you know, all the trimmings and, and. Collars from Hot Topic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know. It's going to get weird, man. I try to tell my kids, I don't like doomsday or anything, but I try to tell them, I'm like, at any other point in human history, you could have bestowed some, some intelligence on your kids about what to do with their future. Yeah. And I don't know what to tell my kids right now. I'm, I'm like- very confused. I go, it, 
we're, we're at a different spot mm-hmm. uh, now than we were five years ago. In five more years, I don't know where we're going to be. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to be in 10 when you try to go to college. I don't know what to tell you to do. Yeah. It's impossible. It goes so fast. I, I mean, it's like it's like we created it and it's way up there and we're like, oh shit, we got it. It's like it's rolling down a hill or something. We're like, fuck, we're somebody let it go. We're chasing after this ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I I feel the same way. I feel, and it's I'm very conflicted. On one hand, I'm like, boys, you know, they're um, my sons. I got two boys. They're uh, twelve and or thirteen and eleven at this point. Um, and I'm like, dude, at this point, you're in front of a computer, just like I am in front of a computer for eight hours a day. It's weird, right? Yeah. So it's like, why even bother going to school? Like. Why not? Like a big part of me is like, let's just um, go get a farm somewhere. And, you know, uh, for a few years back in 2017 and 18, I was in uh, trackers doing uh, forging metal because my whole, I was like really fetishizing, like making my own kitchen knife and all that stuff. And so I I was like forging. You would go out in the wild with like a metal detector. No, 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 no. no. Forging meaning uh, you burn coal oh, to I make you said steel. Forging. No, no, okay. not for- forging. 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 Okay. Yeah. So forging steel. Okay. Yeah. So I was really into like hammering on on anvil and the whole thing. That was just like that's so cool, awesome, dude. so cool. And like when I started, I, I did two years of that, and I was like, to me, I, that was bliss because I felt like disconnected from technology. Mm-hmm. And literally using my like mental and physical capacity, like just it was just a way of like being different and really like introducing a, an experience that uh, I've never had before, and it was really like just riveting and exciting. And uh, I just keep going back to it. It's like, dude, we can just drop out of society. Just go get you know, go get a plot of land somewhere and just like build a couple of teepees and just mm-hmm. you know, sustain live, live, the grid. Like, live, live Yeah, exactly. And then at the same time, it's like, man, you guys really do like watching The Mandalorian. <laughs> you could bring a TV <laughs> and an Xbox or something. You don't have to. You don't have to make uh, any rules. It's, it's your still, utopia. It's still, you're still connected. You know, it's yeah. that the whole thing. You know, it's, it's it's a balance. You know. Yeah, I had this conversation with somebody where I was like, I need skills right now. I have skills yeah. to do what I do and make money. Yeah. But if shit really gets fucked up, mm-hmm. I don't know how to hunt. Yeah. I don't know how to find berries in the wild i don't know how to grow things like those are important skills yeah those are. are the really important skills that if <laughs> things go down if you got to run to the I'm woods tro- yeah 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 man we uh well you know what let's take a one of these tracker courses again uh we should sign up they have these adult um uh, i don't know what's up with the pandemic nowadays but um my kids were involved with the trackers since you know I, i've been involved with them for about since 2013 or so Mm -hmm. and it's just fun it's just great it's like outdoor they teach you how to survive in the outdoors i did this one called the um shadows uh what was it called uh mass curriculum of shadows and it was all about sounds like a secret society yeah it was fucking badass (laughs) so i did this for a year this was back in 20 uh 2016 20 yeah 2016, 2017, and, and uh, this a year-long course where um, I learned to sort of like walk in the woods blindfolded. 
uh, barefooted, uh, foraging for food. Uh, I had to kind of dig holes to shelter myself in for the night. Um, you know, we did all the sorts of different like, uh, martial arts, uh, kind of like, uh, training, like we had sticks and we had to like fight each other in the woods and we had like capture the flag type of, you know, sort of scenarios. So we, we did all these like really cool, um, yeah, it's just like this sort of wilderness immersion and learning how to like, you know, cope with like, uh, just, you know, horrible situations and try to survive, you know. So well, you'd go for the weekend. You'd go, you'd leave Friday and then come back Sunday night. You'd, and you'd, you'd spend go the weekend, you know, just kind of like out in the woods with just a backpack and, you know, uh, your sleeping bag, uh-huh. knife and uh, how, canteen. How, how long would you get trained to do it? Well, it was, that was the thing. It was like, it was a weekend long. So you go once a month for with, the weekend. With the guy. With the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd go, it was a group. So there was a group of 10. And so uh, we slept in these teepees for the most part. And then um, we would, uh, you know, just have to bring your own food for breakfast and stuff like that. Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> Sandwiches or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the, the whole time you're just sort of like in the woods, just learning, you know, like, um, all right, well, if you cut yourself, here's this kind of moss that you can use to like, that's cool. Um, you know, cover yourself with, you know, or help with a wound or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then just sort of identifying different types of little edible leaves and plants that you Mm -hmm. can, you know, do. And then, uh, a lot of it was just like learning how to, um, it was all about sort of like, uh, um, God, I'm, I'm blanking on the term. The term is... Uh, um, Survive? No, no, no. It was... Uh, um, God, dang it. Why am I... My stoner brain is like really <laughs> kicking in right now. Um, That's all right. It, anyways, it, it's all about sort of like um, camouflage and sort okay. of like Im- immerse yourself into nature where you're not noticeable. So, so you become very like it's almost like like a, if you're hunt it's sort of like the skills to learn how to hunt so like bear grills yeah yeah it was like a lot of bear grill stuff yeah really cool stuff that. really fun if, if, if yeah yeah so you got to do it. we got to do it did it Definitely. did it help you learn how to fish better or no. track animals or anything like that no no what it helped me was a psychological breakthrough of how to deal with being uncomfortable uh-huh. no matter how uncomfortable you're gonna get. You know, you got to break through that. Yeah. Because that's that's the that's where um, you know if you become uncomfortable and you start panicking and you start you know fixating your your you know whatever it is that you're you feel like you're lacking. Mm-hmm. That's that's when you start making bad decisions, and when you make bad decisions, you're closer to death than ever before. Yeah. So it's all about sort of understanding how to sort of get to the point where you're just completely uncomfortable. And people are comfortable with that. People are afraid of that, man. It's a mental, it's so mental. People are so afraid. That's what happens when you get older. You know, you get in your 30s and 40s and you got your rhythm and you just do the thing every day Mm -hmm. and you don't want to be nervous. You don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't, you don't want anything different. You don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So when you're going out there with this, these groups of 10 people or Mm -hmm. right, 10 groups? Yeah, it was about 10. Yeah. Did anything weird happen with it like did anybody break a leg or anything no crazy no like fortunately that? nobody i mean i i've cut myself in brambles and bushes you know mm-hmm. you end up with like a scratch on the you know face or you know things like that mm-hmm. but nothing major where you know you had to 
Life Flight or no forest fires or no anything. No forest fires. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. There was there was uh, we had really cool games. There were a lot of really cool games where um, where you had to use your senses a lot. Like rely, like you can't see. So what are you going to rely? Your sound, hearing, and you know smell mm-hmm. and feel. You know, um, it was that was awesome. There was this one game where. Um, we were so they, they have this property out in in the wilderness, out in Sandy, about forty acre, forty plus acres, and um, so we had a game where we had a we were at one spot, we hiked to one spot, and our guide disappeared into the woods, and he had a drum, and so he was banging his drum, but everybody was blindfolded. So as you're blindfolded, you had to walk through the woods to find where the guide was who was banging the drums. It's like Marco Polo. Yeah, it was Marco Polo. Yeah. But, dude, I, I mean, it sucks. Like, you could be on a trail, and the trail's nice because you can kind of sense, like, okay, here's the border. Yeah. Here's the border. Okay, I can move forward. Here's the border. Here's the border. I can move forward. When there's no trail, you're just like, all right, is this spot safe? Yeah. And you fall and yeah. you're in a stream, yeah. you know, just, you know, just, or you're in a mud pit, or you know, just whatever, you know. Yeah. You really have to like rely on like all your other senses, like totally mm-hmm. being blind, and then also try to like get to the point where I'm hearing the drum over here, right? And so you start doing something. And there's a tree or branch or yeah. brambles, right? And then you're like, and he's not banging the drum like bam, bam, bam. He's one every minute, mm. so it's boom. And then, boom, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, fuck this, I'm going back to my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck this, I'm taking the thing off. It was awesome. That That's was, cool. How that much was, was it? Um, It wasn't very much. It was like 400, 500 bucks, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I don't know how totally to do worth it. any of that stuff. But that's where you start learning, like, you yeah. know, just at least getting like, all right. Learning to deal with uncomfortableness, I think, is the big part. Because after that, you really can understand how to like master your own mind, and then be able to sort of like you, you mean know. like being being wet when you don't want to be wet. Exactly, yeah. being in the rain. Like we were in the rain, wet, mm-hmm. soaking wet, cold. You know, um, yeah. My, this whole like uh, thing started from September and ended in May. Mm-hmm. So we didn't do any summer stuff. So it was all like. September getting colder, getting colder, dead of winter, and then spring, you know, Mm -hmm. getting excited that there was, you know, little things popping up from the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever seen Naked and Afraid? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good show, dude. I've always was, I've always been like, I I thought I could do that show. Now, I don't know. I've been. It's a long time. After 2020, I don't think I could do anything like that. But before 2020, (laughs) I was like, yeah, put me in. I got too comfortable on the couch. Yeah, man. This is a, sometimes I just think about it and I'm like, I don't even remember. I'll see like photos on the wall or something from the before times. Yeah. And I'm like, what was that like? Yeah. So weird. Like it's so ingrained in everything we do now. Seeing an actual photo from the 90s is a trip. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's really telling like. From the 80s and 70s, I get it because I was younger and I was a kid. But in the 90s, I was like, all right, I'm an adult. And um, 
you know, so I thought it was like, okay, this is the peak where we are and human history back in 93, 94, you know, um, music, culture, you mm -hmm. know, everything. And now looking back, it's like, dude, like, that's an alien world. Mm -hmm. That just does not exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. the norms that we had. And I watched yeah. uh, Days Confused the other night. Yeah. And when they made Days and Confused, I think they made it about 76. Mm -hmm. And they made it in like 92. Yeah. 92, so only 91, like, like, only like yeah. 15 years had gone by. Yeah. And 15 years ago is 2005. Yeah, dude. It seems like forever ago, but it doesn't seem like it was that different. That 15-year span between 77, 76 to 91, um, not as crazy as 2005 to now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it still, it seems like there were more culture changes in, in fashion and cars and yeah. presidential elements, you know, between 2005 and now, it's uh -huh. kind of like, it doesn't seem like that much happened, but it did. A lot has happened. But it though. did if because yeah. of social media. That's the most. Yeah. Social media totally like uprooted everything. Yeah. Right. Because before social media, sort of things would progress in a slower, you know, everything kind of came through the television. That's mm -hmm. how you were informed about what's hip, what's what's going on in the world, what's, yeah. you know, who's 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 accepted, who's not accepted in society. And now it's like, uh, you don't know where you stand. Yeah. It's like, you could say something so benign, so little, like, you know, uh, hey, guys, and that could upset somebody in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that there's a lot of words you're not supposed to say anymore. Yeah. You just, it's not <laughs> yeah. about intent. It's about explicit black and white. It's like, well, that's not really what I meant when I said, hey, guys. I was just like, right. hey, what's up? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's all about sort of brand. Everything's in the face, you know, sort of, super, you know, first impression type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of things that people are just used to sort of like... Um, I don't know. There's, there's, okay. There's always been subcultures, you know, that are always like nine at the mainstream, mm -hmm. you know, and they're always competing. Like you can always look at sort of alternative rock and how alternative rock became mainstream at a certain point mm -hmm. from mid eighties to mid nineties. Mm -hmm. It was like, you saw an emergence of like, oh, alternative rock is now like pop rock, mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of the same things with movements, social movements with folks are the same thing mm -hmm. where it used to be sort of like a uh, fringe subculture. Now it bores itself into mainstream and then it becomes the mainstream. So like the social justice warrior stuff, you mm -hmm. know, like that's all mainstream right now. Mm -hmm. And it's just funny to see it sort of like go through its like incarnation from just small college campuses here and there to now it's ubiquitous in every institution mm -hmm. and every business and every, uh, you know, anywhere where you have to interact with folks, people, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's in the forefront now. Well, forever there were people in charge or in power or whatever that kind of dictated what was going to become popular. Yeah. And these days, 
no one knows what's going to go viral. Like no. there could be like some twelve year old in his bathroom, like the stupidest things go viral. Yeah, you're like, yeah. what? Why does there? <laughs> why why does that have five hundred million views? It's <laughs> yeah. just like some turd in the bathroom, you know, like hanging out. You're like, it's so weird. There's, that, yeah. There, there's yeah. no rhyme or reason to there's, it. There's none. They're, they're like, um, there's this viral. Okay. So back in September, there was the viral of um, that dude the, on Instagram, on social media. There's the dude who's on a skateboard drinking cranberry juice. Yes. That's a perfect example. Okay. So he did it first or maybe somebody else did it, but he did it and it got really popularized. Now, two months later, it's like grandmas are doing it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But so you and I know about it and we've seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it permeates everything it instantly. Becomes, yeah. And everybody wants to do it. Yeah. And and you're seeing this competition of like who's the next little viral, you know, who's going to do the next viral yeah. thing. Like right now there's this, here's a medium viral uh, explosion. Not as big as that dude, but this this one is um, uh, preteen kids playing uh, ACDC on acoustic guitar mm-hmm. with their sibling with a uh, two-liter empty Coke bottle, uh-huh. smashing it on their head. So it's bump, da-na-na, na And so that's the whole thing. And now there's like five, six different uh, <laughs> copies of those. <laughs> oh, man. And it's, it's, it's funny. It's how people r- want to replicate. There's a lot of echoing. And then once the Well, there, there's e- a know, lot of attempting crazy shit, too, to yeah. be famous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're just waiting for something to catch on or mm-hmm. something to... It's mm-hmm. wild. You remember Jackass? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Jackass is fucking a world beyond what it is now. I mean... When that came out, though, that was that was, that was groundbreaking that stuff. Was, it was revolutionary. It was groundbreaking. It was very punk rock. It was very skater. It was like I could... I, I totally, like, gravitated because it was, like, everything I loved, right? You know? Mm-hmm skaters misfits punkers you know whatever they you know just doing stupid shit that i did you mm-hmm. know in high school and they were like oh they're they're on mtv now they're making money good yeah. for them yeah but then it's like different now when you see jackass on instagram <laughs> you know like people <laughs> just doing it, it's just like ah oh. yeah 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 they're just desperate for like views and likes and mm-hmm. all that stuff yeah man it's it's interesting to me just how how bored people get like you i mean and trump is a perfect example of it because there's so much information there's so many headlines there's so much stuff coming at you all the time it's almost like you're you're not phased by anything you just like see something for a second and you're like yep cool oh trump crashed an airplane into a building okay what's he gonna do tomorrow you know like you forget very much so. You just yeah. scroll. You keep. That's the thing. You were. Yeah. You landed right on it. You keep thumbing it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just keep pushing it up. Yeah. Yeah. We really don't have any moments where we can um, crystallize. You know, mm-hmm. like nine eleven. I think was the last moment that really crystallized the nation. Yeah. And we were like, "This is horrible. This happened. Everybody's just like shock. Everybody's like feeling bad. Every you know. Now it's like. Shooting in Las Vegas. All right. You know, yeah. look at this butt. Okay. Kind of like on that butt. <laughs> I like butts a lot more. Let's stay on butts. <laughs> yeah, man. It's so weird. Well, and then if you get, if, if we get to the point, which we will, where uh, 
you're just getting that information directly downloaded yeah. into your your cranium. Yeah. Then I don't even know, man. What do you do with all that? Like how? What is there a benefit to knowing everything all the time? And what I mean, that's the. That's the question, right? What What's the benefit of knowing all this silliness in one time? What, what good does it do for your, the individual or, you know? Well, I mean, I guess it would make people less important. Like if I instantly knew how to be a heart surgeon, then some dude up there on the hill doesn't... He spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in schooling. He doesn't need to make $300,000 a year anymore. All you need to do is just have the app and the phone. <laughs> And you can be a heart surgeon. <laughs> Don't worry. I got it. <laughs> we have good Wi-Fi here? All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's under control. Don't worry. I got virtual shield. <laughs> I'm on a VPN. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's it's There is an equilibrium. With Technology is creating an equilibrium in society as far as status goes, right? So in, in certain ways, things where just look at Uber and taxis. You know, it used to be taxis were the only way you could sort of hire somebody to, you know, drive you around. Mm -hmm. And that whole system sucked. Yeah. Everybody hated it. And then something new came along, which is Uber. And now it dominates. Now it tells you if you're worthy or not to be driven. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, if you got bad stars or bad rating, nobody's going to pick do they you up. They rate the person, too? I didn't know that. You, as a customer, could be, Yeah. The driver can rate the customer. Yeah. Not only does the driver get rated, but then the uh, customer can I be, didn't know that. You could get flagged for being, you know. Being an asshole. Asshole. Yeah. yeah. Huh. This account or whatever. So it's there's an equilibrium of like, you know, all what? sorts of stuff that Dude, is like. It goes to, have you seen that Black Mirror where uh, it's got Bryce Dallas Howard? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, man. You got to watch it. It's really good. She, everybody has a possible five-star rating. And you get rated oh, on Oh, wait, wait a minute. This is the one where, yeah, yeah, the social media dilemma where she starts, the more panicky she gets, the, the, the she starts she gets losing. Downgraded. She's downgraded. And then she can't fly on the airplane anymore. She, she has to rent to a car. Wedding. She can't go to the wedding. She needs to go to the wedding yes, yes, because yes. <laughs> Naomi or whatever her name is, is a 4.6. Four, yeah, yeah. She's going to boost her status. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. And then she, she drops to 2.8. She gets disinvited yep. from the, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That episode is so good, that man. Bryce Dallas Howard, that girl. Yeah. 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 That was a great one. Dude, that was a really good one because it really showed exactly the sort of uh, metric system that we're now embarking in on, you know, declassify. Not, I don't want to say declassifying. What is it that I want to say? There, you know, there's a class, the classification, hierarchical, the hierarchical class structure in society mm -hmm. right so you had you used to have you know poor lower working class you know upper working class middle class strong middle class and then upper middle class and then rich right mm -hmm. and now that's shifting because there's so many different ways how people make money and it doesn't that they don't go the ranks you know in this new mark you know system mm -hmm. it's like that those ranks don't matter anymore. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of like, can they make extract, you know, who can extract, you know, the wealth, you know, make money for themselves and it doesn't matter what class they're in anymore. Yeah. They just don't care. So there used to be sort of the English class structure where, you know, there was sort of like you were in this 
echelon of society, you were responsible for such and such part of society. If you were in this echelon of society, you were responsible for this. Well, there were really now, only folks, two, right? There were super poor people, people yeah. in poverty, and well, then there were the royalty. Well, no, no. There was definitely a working class. There was definitely sort of like, uh, you know, middle management, if you will. Mm-hmm especially in, in the 1800s, stuff like that. And that was sort of like the, the people who got squeezed the most, mm-hmm. right? Because the they would get used and taunted and then taxed the hell out of, you yeah. know, where, while the rich people would evade taxes or figure out a way to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, now it's just like, it's different. It's a wild west. Dude, people have been pissed about taxes since the beginning of time. The motherfucker that it. came up with that... <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Everybody's going to give us a little bit of their money, and then we're going to do stuff with it. They must have been like, what? No, we're not going to do that. Right, right. People have been bitching about taxes forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always too much. And and society's never been, you know, it's that's the thing. It's like, where do our efforts go, and who's benefiting from it, you know? Well, the goal is to, if you're not some fucking crazy person, the goal is to help everyone. To, to lift everyone to a certain level so you, that you don't have people trying to steal your stuff. Yeah. You don't have people that are sleeping in tents on PAL. You know what I mean? Like you lift everyone up just a little bit. You give them a chance. You help them out in case some, some crazy thing happened to them. But it gets turned into this thing where it's like, I worked really hard for this money. I don't want to give it to anyone else. Yeah. And if you look at it from that perspective, I can understand that. But also... If you give a little bit of that money to someone else, they're less likely to murder your daughter or steal your car or whatever. Like it's about bringing everyone to a certain level. And um, I don't know, you reach a point, in my opinion, I don't don't know what it takes. I I think it takes something far bigger than what we've seen yet, but it, it gets to like French Revolution area. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have such a disconnect between the people in charge that own all the money and everyone else that can't even buy bread. Right. They're going to fucking, they have to reach a tipping point where they're going to revolt. And then once that happens, you're fucked. And I don't know when that happens in this country. Ugh. People need more, people need more to lose. Right now they don't have enough to lose, but it could happen at some point. Oh, that's the thing. It's like... Uh... Goalposts are always being shifted, you know? So we're always seeing, like, uh, shifting of uh, categories, new categories being, you know, created, a new... There's always something... As always something, there's always being pushed for innovation. There's always something being pushed that is not equitable, mm-hmm. right? So there's these wakes of inequities. And so there's always these gaps we have to fill and figure out how to fill these gaps. And it's there's no one single solution for how do you fill a gap for, um, let's just say, homelessness right mm-hmm. now. Why? Because everybody experiences homelessness generally in the same way, lack of, you know, resources. But at the same time, they get there in different ways. You know, they take different paths. So it's not everybody's on the same path. So you can't fix the road. Hmm. So yeah, that's it a good becomes analogy. a very yeah it becomes very tricky on how to design a path where everybody can get on and uh, sort of you know get away from despotism and get away from being desperate and get away from 
alleviating uh, inequities and alleviating um, barriers, psychological barriers. You know, there's also sort of like the uh, gap of the intelligence as well, you know. So we're always saying like poor people are not that smart, you know, um, in many different ways, emotionally smart, you know, and that's all because, you know, maybe there might be a group of certain people that were went through a system where growing up as children, they were neglected, they were, you know, mistreated, abused, and, and so on and so forth. So there's all those, you know, and that just opens up a huge web of different sort of solutions you need to resolve. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult. And that's the thing is like, you can't create a single path way that gets everybody up because everybody's sort of like spursed out everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then you're trying to like, and that's what communism you know that's its intent mm -hmm. is to create this like hey we're going to create this pathway where everybody can get to mm -hmm. that in itself becomes problematic you know? it does yeah yeah i i don't i honestly don't think we've figured out the right way i don't think capitalism is it i don't think communism socialism i don't think we figured it out yet no because no. you you need you need incentive mm -hmm. for people to do good things, in to, general, do, to yeah. do great things, to, to yeah. make money. Like if you take away all those incentives, no one's going to do anything. Yeah. You know, you'll just yeah. put in the bare minimum. But you also can't have a system where everyone is the same. Yeah, you can't have... It doesn't work that way. Right. Just like uh, you were saying about the incentives, you can't have... You know, there's a famous Russian saying where it says, uh, I pretend to work and you pretend to pay me. <laughs> you know, you can't have that, you know, and that's... For decades of sort of the system of you know everybody's no incentives right so then people just don't you know they just show up and they just do that for the bare minimum mm -hmm. if that and that's the problem is you even have people today that can barely do the bare minimum you know mm -hmm. like there's so many folks that i'm like dude you work at a fast food joint this is the bare minimum mm -hmm. you could at least like get my order right yeah at the very least you know yeah. and that you know, well, you see that you experience that very often. The 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 jobs like that that don't require much thought or skill, the, they're going to be replaced very soon. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then that's the other question: is yeah. like, what? <laughs> what do you do with the population do, of people with, who can't? Yeah, yeah. Not everybody. Not everybody right. is needed for a bunch of the things that they're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, the utopia ideal, utopian ideal is that everyone becomes an artist. Yeah. You, you get, yeah, yeah. you get $1,200 a month. Themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And you just can chill at home and, and do stuff. Yeah. Be and, a cam model. <laughs> bring, 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 bring. Thank you. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> um, I think that'll work out for some people, but it's not going to work out for everybody. <laughs> no, no. Not everybody. I don't know what we're going to do, man. I well, don't know what we're going to do. Well, that's the thing. You know, so that 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 in lies the question, the great sort of uh, question is, what does the individual do to break out of that matrix? You know? And that just, it's, 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 uh, I don't know. It's very difficult. It's what a if, very difficult. What thing. if there's just like, what if there's just a factory where you just go in there and you just walk down a line and you press a button and you walk down and you press another, there's just like a hundred thousand yeah. people in a factory. They're not really doing anything. They're they just, just pressing need a button. To press those buttons they to just, make sure those buttons are pressed. Yeah, right. They just need something to do for eight hours a day. Ooh, yeah. I don't know, man. It's gonna get weird. I'm trying to tell my kids. I'm well, like, exactly. We gotta figure this out. The kids thing. Yeah, I agree, dude. I am. I'm like at a point where uh, I have no advice for my kids other than 
be curious, try to find the truth and know the truth. Um, there's going to be times where you're going to be challenged in many different ways and you'll be pushed to be persuaded to go with, to benefit the greater good at the expense of your own self or, um, expense of the greater good for your own self, you know? So you're going to, you're going to be faced with that. So I'm trying to figure out like ways to help them become more resilient in critical thinking and emotional thinking or emotional feelings yeah. as well. Because sometimes a lot of people confuse emotions and, and, and thinking and it becomes un, you know, undesirable results. Yeah. You, have, you, you, know. you, you need to be capable of both, but mm -hmm. you, you got to be able to separate them. Yeah. You can't make yeah. all your decision based on emotion. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And to be able to, you know, think ahead, two steps ahead, three steps ahead, you know, anticipate. Always, if you're anticipating, then you're not going to be reacting. Yeah. So what, those what, are the things I try to, you know, kind of push. What, what, what do you tell them about college? I don't know. See, right now, like I see college and it's just, it's, it's uh, on one hand, state college, it's just freaking indoctrination camp that you're you know you, you're gonna enslave yourself to you know mm -hmm. and then on the other hand like if you want to become a doctor you got to go to college you know if you want to be an engineer you got to go to college so i want them to be very clear on what they want to do before yeah. they go to college yeah and it's like okay if you're gonna invest like i'd rather wait till they're 27 and go to college rather than right after high school it's a bad you know? time to make that serious of a decision I think so. I think yeah. so. Because you, you, what you're trying to do is create an investment of who you're going to be in the future. Yeah. And that's a big question. I mean, it's, it's it hard. Is. It takes, and it takes a lot of, it takes both like a, an investment and, um, awareness to sort of get to the point where, okay, this is, but you know how fucking know, stupid man. 18 year olds are? Yeah. I was a fucking <laughs> dumb <laughs> Me ass too, motherfucker. Man. Yes. I did stupid things. You cannot expect a person with a brain intelligence level at that at that point to make that sort of decision. Yeah. It's, you're not there yet, man. No. I'm barely there right now, and I'm 36. Yeah. Are you 36? I had to think about it for a minute. 30, Dude, I lost count. I'm 36. 40, I think I'm 46, 40. Yeah, I'll be 47 this year. This Seriously? Yeah, a couple of weeks. So. I thought you were like 40. No, no. You look really 40. good, really? man. Really? Yeah. Dude, I don't, I don't feel like I... I feel like I, this year, I really feel like like the aging has like exceeded. Like it really... Like uh, the gray, I get it, you know? Uh -huh. But no, I'm starting to feel like... Sh like Dude, I did not know. You look you look like you're 40 years old. Well, thanks. That's awesome. Thanks. I, I did sell my soul, my soul to the devil, and uh, <laughs> this is the good as I got on the contract. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, every 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 young buck I talk to that just hits 30 or 31 or 32, I'm like, oh. You got a I'm lot like, more. Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't matter anymore. I go, once you hit yeah. 30, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> 30 plus, you know? Before that, yeah. it, it seems to be a big deal. Yeah. But you still, you don't know, you don't know what you're doing. You haven't figured it out yet. It's a weird thing. Like, uh, am I, okay, for my kids, I'm like, all right, maybe uh, you spend your 20s just knowledge gathering. Yeah. You know, just read books. You know, my son loves to read books. He mm -hmm. burns through books all, like, my, my oldest, my youngest, he's, he's, uh, he's okay, but his interests are in, in different areas, but... 
both of them, I, I feel like, okay, they can just spend their 20s, just spend time reading, writing, you know, pontificating on mm-hmm. whatever, like, you know, but then when you're in your 30s, you got to nose to the grindstone somehow, you know? Yeah. And what is that going to be? Like, what passion is going to lead you to like, mm-hmm. all right, you got enough knowledge base to enact in yourself into some sort of market. And then the next thing is experience. Then you just go out and get experience. Dude, that's the most important part in my mind. I I had a son at 23. Yeah. And I, I love my kids to death. The best thing I ever did. I did not really choose for that to happen that young. Right. I, I wanted to do more things with my 20s. Yeah. But I did... I did some incredible stuff yeah. and I've done incredible stuff since then. And the thing I always try to tell people is like, I, I know this young kid who he's like 23 and he's already working 50, 60 hours a week. And yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're 23 years old. Go fucking take a backpack to Europe or something, man. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. don't do this. This is a 35 year old's existence. What you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. These are twenties, man. You don't have a, a girlfriend. You don't have a wife. You don't no have mortgage. A kid, yeah. No mortgage. <laughs> yeah. You could disappear any moment you want to, and right. you're working sixty hours a week at this job. Get right. the fuck out of here, man. Right, right. What's his end, end game? He's doing exactly what he wants to do, and that's what is. Uh, so his end, he, he, he. What was he a sound guy or what? what what's he, he's the in position? the industry. In the industry, okay. Yeah. So he's in the industry. You don't need schooling. Well, I mean, in one way, who knows what the future is going to be? You know, technology will change and shift, Mm -hmm. you know, things will shift and you'll either, you know, discover something new or be forced to, Mm -hmm. you know, change and shift. So Mm -hmm. that's the crazy part. As long as he's banking the money, you know, banking the money for something bigger when you're in your 40s and you, Mm -hmm. you know, go crazy, get that, you know, yacht and get some (laughs) hookers and coke and... You know, yeah, that that's great, mm-hmm. totally cool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if he doesn't see himself like trajectory, you know, making a trajectory to something else, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I remember all my friends like just working at warehouses and being at you know shitty nine to five jobs, you know, yeah, man, those, drinking on the weeks. Those those years Tuesday go nights. by and you don't you don't realize how important they are, and you hear stupid dudes like us say stuff like that mm-hmm. to them like you appreciate it now you'll you'll yeah, want you'll, it later, want later exactly. Dude, nobody yeah. fucking listens to you when you're, tw- when you're 22 years old you're not listening it's the last thing you want to hear when you're a kid <laughs> i know man like you just yeah especially when you're 20 all you want to do is bang Mm-hmm. It's, yeah yeah man yeah yeah so to you to be 18 years old you just finished high school. Yeah. You know, there's so many things you could be doing. And then you're expected to make some decision, mm-hmm. some arbitrary decision about some career path you think you're going to follow. Yeah. Go 80 to $200,000 in debt, you know. Fuck that. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's so many people that, that decide the wrong thing. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I had this conversation uh, when I was over... Um, I went to the East Coast a couple weeks ago, and I was hanging out with my uncle, and he he's 74, 72, 74, yeah. and we were talking about college, and he's like, well, where are you going to try to get your kids to go? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I want to tell them to go to college. Yeah. And that was like a foreign thought to him. Yeah. And no disrespect to him. Like, he right. just, 
that's what we've been taught forever is yeah. that when you leave high school, you go to college. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I don't think they should they should go get a liberal arts degree. Right. Yeah. General, then, you know, I majored in English or, you know, lesbian dance theory or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> that one sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how well it pays. But that's the problem is that colleges are an extension of community college or something. I don't know. I don't know. I really like in the last four or five years, I've seen a huge shift in what people are capable of doing when they get out of college mm -hmm. and they're not capable of very much. I mean, you're seeing a lot more people who are college graduates working at Starbucks. Yeah. Right. Than high school kids. Yep. And you should be seeing high school kids working at Starbucks, not college grads, you know, mm -hmm. with masters. Mm -hmm. So going back to, um, the art museum. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't have any, I don't have a real degree. Yeah. I, I went to audio recording school. Right. And it's like a certificate of completion. Like it doesn't mean anything really. Same thing in what I got with the video production. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you, you paid some money and you got a piece of paper, but whatever. Uh, but I, I worked at the art museum. Yeah. I got hired there and I was making, I was making like $20 an hour. And there were these brilliant young ladies in the education department they were making like 28 a year, 28 yeah. grand a year wow. with master's degrees yeah. and, and advanced degrees. And I was making 45 a year. I was like making almost twice as much as they were. Yeah. And that, that was always the weird disconnect to me is that yeah. I somehow got lucky <laughs> with no education. That's, that's exactly what I was going to get to. It was like... <clears throat> You and Cassie, I think Cassie went to college, right? She did graduate. I think Cassie has a four-year yeah, degree. She does. But basically, like here you are, highly skilled, very little education, mm -hmm. getting paid pretty damn good, you know, for for what you're, for the level of, uh, you know, for the uh, the competitive rate for occupation. Mm -hmm. And then you have, yeah, these like, you know, master degree, <laughs> you know, and they're like hundreds of, you know how much in debt and um yeah they're just kind of like stuck there right like yeah. they got the niche thing like there's no wide open market where they can go innovate something and then you know unless they jump completely out of into a different you know mm -hmm. well yeah i i have this friend who uh who has a good job i don't know how much she makes but she she has a it's like a it's like a marketing position yeah. at a nonprofit, but she makes good money. And I was talking to her about it the other night. I was like, "What do you do? You like it? Like, what do you really want to do?" And she's like, "I want to be a veterinarian." Yeah, like completely unrelated to what she does now. And I'm like, "Fuck it, why don't you do it?" And she she's like, "Well, I'd have to go back to school for four or six years, and I'd be another hundred thousand dollars in debt." It's like it's not worth it, even though that's what she cares about and right. that's what she would be good at. Yeah, she has to keep fucking being a marketing person yeah. for some nonprofit. Yeah, to pay off an incredible <laughs> it's debt. So, it's so yeah. weird. And that way you're just kind of living to pay off the debt. You're not really living your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see it all the time. Well, it's so, a weird thing. That's And that's where I that's don't know, I don't know enough about it, uh, enough about it to compare our system to like the European system and um, where you can get basically four years paid for by the state. Mm. I don't know if it's better or worse. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, 
you, you probably yeah they don't i don't know i don't know the the main thing that i my uh my sister's husband mm-hmm. is a native german citizen yeah. and i would love to get him on here at some point he's in germany or china or something but if he ever makes it over here i'll get him on here and ask him fucking a million questions but yeah, when i when I went to Germany in March of 19, I, he took a week off and just kind of hung out with me and drove me around and stuff. Yeah. And um, he said that the the biggest way that Germany is different, and I think a lot of those countries are different from the States, is that they have universal health care. Uh, they have college paid for. They have all these wonderful, broad social programs, programs yeah. that take care of everybody. And he said that the most you can make is like sixty, you sixty out. a year. Yeah, right. it's like there, there's no there's no real option for an Elon mm. or a, or a Bezos or a right. Gates. Nobody can really do that. Not through that system. Not You'd through that to, system. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The, I, and so that's I guess the Same argument yeah. for capitalism mm-hmm. in in the United States is you have the ability to break through and make that kind of money. Yeah, but nobody ever makes that money. There's like. There's like a hundred people that figure out how to do that. Right. And that's why they're the hundred people that figure out how to do that. Right. right? Otherwise everybody else would. It's crazy. It's crazy being rich or whatever. Um, I, you know, the view, the few things I do regret <clears throat> is sort of money management. I've always had this sort of antagonistic uh, perspective on money. It's like, I don't need money. It will corrupt me if I, you know, try to go trace, chase money. Not realizing that other ideas can corrupt you, mm-hmm. right? So I've always held up against like, oh, if you're going to chase money, like I've always thought the idea of like, all right, the key to happiness is just have a whatever job, just good enough job to pay for the bills and then I can go fuck off and do whatever. You mm-hmm. know? But no, actually like now I'm like, oh, I should have, you know, gambled a little bit better in my investing with, you know, mm-hmm. time or whatever in money. And, uh, you know, be able to afford a little bit more extra, like, you know, experiences. Mm-hmm. Didn't really think that, like, making money led to experiences. I always thought making money was just sort of, like, a narrow vision type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, like, I realized, oh, man, I really would like this experience or that experience or, you know? I hear what you're saying, but I think people who make a lot of money don't view it that way. No. I think they, no. wa- they want to make money mm-hmm. and then they don't really st- – enjoy spending it you know what i mean like you is in all the ways that i know you it seems like you are more about experience and enjoying life right yeah and if you were driven to make money i wouldn't know you no you probably wouldn't you know what i mean i wouldn't know myself either (laughs) (laughs) it's for sure i mean that's the thing is yeah there is that narrow mindset of not even just money but with even power or you know some sort of uh niche uh input output type of thing you can be too narrow and then just eliminate any other experiences in life. Yeah. Completely. And dude, you know? it, it's, it's very calming and it's also very depressing when you really think about it. Like you, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You right. only get X amount of years. Did you see, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, it was that 46 year old guy from China who died, who was a billionaire. I just uh, saw the headline today and I read Zappos, a little bit about That guy right here. Yeah. 20, yeah. Yeah. His, now, his did you – okay, so they found him – okay, I have not read – okay, let's look – let's deep dive into this. He It was a I fire. I saw something – yeah, 
And how was that fire caused? Like, I don't know. How do you yet. die from a, a guy like this? How does he die from a fire that is like miss? You know, how do you? I, what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, my mind immediately thinks that somebody was out. You know, he's Chinese. Somebody's he's a billionaire. Somebody was out to get him, and mm-hmm. you know, he was, you, you know, Chinese mafia, whatever. You know, <laughs> like, that type of thing. Like totally, he was, you know, totally he was, he was definitely, you know, knocked out. You know, <laughs> it, it's. I see things like headlines like this on a day-to-day basis and I'm always thinking like, all right, who knocked him out? Like who was, you know, yeah, how do you, you how think, do you like, you know. You would think if you made it that far and you had that much money. You're 46 years old. You're pretty young. This is, that's my age, me right now, yeah. right? And it's just, okay, maybe he, bad place, bad time or whatever, but I don't know, man. When you're like that big in life, you're like pretty good at mitigating like. Well, he just, he recently retired too. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, I saw that headline and I, I had read about him previously because he was very. Uh, the cell link exchange to Microsoft. So he was involved with the tiny. Uh, okay, here we go. He was very unorthodox when it came to running Zappos. He, yeah. he was very involved in making it like a, a nice place to work. It wasn't just about profit. It was about right. like. Not like an Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is weird because they sold the Amazon. <laughs> But yeah, he he like he ran it a different way, and he like yeah. really cared about his employees. And then he made a fuck ton of money. I think he sold right there one two point one point two billion in the company uh, to Amazon. Yeah, and then he just retired recently, and he's yeah, he's forty six years old. Yeah, it's the day after Thanksgiving, and wow. somehow his house catches on fire. And I don't know if he died from smoke inhalation or if like burns or whatever. But dude this is exactly what we're talking about. Like that guy worked his whole life. Right. He did some awesome stuff. He made a fuck ton of money and now he's dead. There's no guarantees. No, dude, you just like, you can't waste it on whatever you're wasting it on. You gotta, you gotta yeah, figure out, hang out with your kids, hang out with the people yeah. you love, with your parents, um, go on some water slides, like water do slides, some man. cool shit, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a tricky balance. I mean, who knows? I really, you know, it's hard to say if, us plebes here, you know, we're we're working class plebes looking up at some dude who's a billionaire who ran a company, and <clears throat> our point of view is like, yeah, he chased the dollar, right? Mm-hmm. But for him, who knows? Who knows what was driving him on the inside? You mm-hmm. know, he was really like, he really loves shoes. He just loves shoes. He was a shoe collector, and he was <laughs> able to sell. He started out selling shoes on eBay, and mm-hmm. then just kind of build his empire, shoe mm-hmm. empire. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's I like, mean, that's that's the thing about people in those like positions. You fall like, in love with something, right? And it drives you. Well, yeah. And like, it, I mean, look at Elon and look at Bezos. Yeah. They have more money than you could ever imagine. Yeah. And they keep doing it. it right. the, the money, I don't think, is what drives those people. They're not about money. No. At, at a certain point, you get to a point where, like, okay, I need to make X amount of money. Then it becomes projects. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what kind of project can I do? Yeah. Can we... I mean, Elon, for me, Elon, I, I, I herald Elon more than Bezos, though Bezos is very intelligent and cunning and, you know, all, he's got some good attributes about how success, you know, why he got successful. But I think with Elon, I, I find him more interesting because he wants to break, I mean, they both want to break out of the norms of mm-hmm. the norms of business that, you know, and all that. But, um, 
Elon's far more creative. Like he's like, yeah. no, dude, to, to I want, me, I want these. Why can't we build rockets that land themselves? And yeah, <laughs> like you know, Elon. Elon is like the weird nine-year-old science fanatic. Yeah, who no, who no one really talks to, and he's got all these crazy ideas. And then you're like, hey, everything you could ever imagine, you have enough money to make it happen. Right. So just do it. Yeah, go do and it. And so he's just like fucking doing it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Bezos, I see him more sort of a monopolizer. You know, just yeah. innovator in the monopoly world where it's like, we don't need shoe stores anymore. We don't need, uh, <laughs> we don't need it, you know, we don't need, uh, you just order and it, it arrives to you. Dude, it's an incredible system. And for as much as you can demonize him and the entire enterprise, yeah. it is, it's insanely efficient. Yeah. You go on your, like... I have no reason to buy anything anywhere except for groceries. Right. I have no reason to buy anything. Like if I'm going to get uh, a Lego set for my son, for my six-year-old son for Christmas, I'm not going to go to Fred Meyer and buy the Legos. Right. I'm going to scroll on my phone. And find the great deal. Amazon will send it here in two days. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah. incredible system. It is. It is. It's it's a huge, you know, what he's doing is is like a replacement. Yeah. I mean, there's no incentive to go to a boutique store uh any type of you know i mean you can get anything medicines you can order medicine i mean it's weird everything anything. i saw that yeah they're gonna start selling prescriptions yeah it's gonna decimate yeah tons of industries yeah. man and it's funny because the other day uh uh some sort of it came from amazon but it was a somebody's prescription came to my door it was dressed to my address but it was you know, neighbor's name on it. And I was just like, all right. You're like, what is it? Mm. <laughs> Hormone pills. All right. I'm going to get those tits. <laughs> I always wanted them. <laughs> I want a pair come. of jigglies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It It's hard to imagine what it was like before, you know, now that we're, we're at this spot, but. There's a lot to remiss about the past, but then at the same time, there's a lot to sort of like, okay. We're, we're doing away with a lot of inconveniences. Mm -hmm. Things are getting easier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's got both, you know? I, I heard that uh, the Black Friday in-person sales were, like, dismal. Right, because they made it month long. Yeah. Like, it started back in, like, November 1st. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. like, no longer it's about the Friday. Yeah. It's like, hey, now you have a weekend, and now you got... What Monday comes Monday is the uh, Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday, and then mm -hmm. group on Tuesdays. I don't know. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> You're just making shit up. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, man. Like uh, the the retail landscape right now, it's bothersome, I, dude. I would hate to be in charge of that. Like, yeah. oh, how are we going to get people to come buy shit that they don't need? Imagine having a opening up a shop at the Lloyd Mall. Like, dude, when's the last gonna... time you went into a mall? Uh, 2018? Yeah. 2018, I, that, that was the last time I set foot in That used Lloyd. to be how I would get, I would go down there on like a Saturday and yeah. I'd buy seven presents. My mom, my dad, right. my brother, like whatever. And dude, yeah, there's now no reason. No reason. No. Yeah. I don't know who goes Despite there Despite the fact that they got an ice rink. Is this still open? Yeah. Well, I don't know now. I don't know what's going on now with COVID, but. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's and that's the thing. It's like because of you know. So that's it's weird. Like I'm suspicious of. Okay, um, all of a sudden everything is 
being decimated as far as touch point, right? Touch point mean touch touch point re, uh, um, uh, real not realty but uh, retail. Touch point retail meaning that you go into a physical location and, mm-hmm. and you buy that product. Now it's being replaced with you know online, and so it's like it's so convenient how. Amazon was just there waiting for something mm-hmm. like this to happen for it to just completely get itself uh, over the next, you know, trillion dollar bump. Well, yeah. I mean, what, why do you need Best Buy? Why do you need Target? Why do you need? I, I do like Fred Meyer for some reason. I like Fred Meyer too. That's where I usually go. But I, I don't know why you need all the, why do you I've need? I've not been in a Best Buy in a very long time. Yeah. Like, like you I can, can't remember. Yeah. You get all the same stuff from it. And that's what I think is going to happen. It's just right. going to gobble everything up. Yeah. But there's got to be some extreme negative downside to Amazon delivering you everything. Well, that's the thing. There, that's a many, monopoly. Yeah. It's a monopoly. There's, there's but a But how do they stop that? Well, you can't now unless if there's a new a new mode of communication that doesn't need the internet nor, you know, then that will sort of supersede it. Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 weird thing is I live in an complex uh, apartment complex and now since what, June? I would say I would say since June I see the Amazon truck like every 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, dude. Pulling up. Uh-huh. Like it's – and I work from home, so I'm like sitting at home there. I was looking at the carport there, you know. You're like, oh, what are they getting? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Those home room Why do they keep delivering the shit to my house? I'm not this person. <laughs> I don't – I don't – I I hardly ever order anything out of Amazon. I do find it like I, – I do understand the, uh, the allure and the uh, – you know, it's like you can have it, but I just – I like, I'm very textile. I like being at the shop or at the store and picking up that box and, you know. There's some reasons to go to a store and do it. Yeah. But no, most of the time, I mean, I buy a lot of stuff off Amazon just because you can, I mean, I go in there, I filter it for Prime. So, you know, everything yeah. you see is going to be two days. Yeah. You can find the cheapest price. You can find the exact color you want. Mm-hmm. The exact brand you can read reviews. Oh, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's the got system everything. is insane, man. Yeah, it's insane. It's laid out so you don't have to uh, put more effort than necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the problem of life. <laughs> <laughs> and it, dude, do you remember when uh, you remember when you could buy cool boutique items off eBay? <clears throat> I, mean, I have not messed with eBay in a very long time. Yeah, me I used neither. to sell shit on eBay. I used to too. I used to, you know, yeah, had a bunch of like, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I got nothing to sell anymore. But I mean, back in the day when I did have shit to sell, eBay was the way to do it. And you yeah. had, man, that was a pain in the ass. Yep. That was a big pain in the ass. I didn't, it didn't. Because not only do you have to like certify what you're selling is going to be good enough. You have to package it. You have to, you know send it and then sort of coordinate whether are you paying for the you know the shipping delivery or am i paying for the shipping delivery you know is that going to come out of the cost of what i'm selling this to you for on and on yeah that's fucking ridiculous yeah but it was exciting man because you put it on auction you're like just waiting for you know checking every little while you're like oh it's up to 240 (laughs) dollars yeah dude that was fun but yeah there's no reason to use that anymore i mean you used to be able to go to like a, a garage sale mm-hmm. and buy, I don't know, some weird 
chunk of vinyl, you know, some album yeah. from the seventies and, and the 80 year old lady that was selling it had no idea how much it was worth. Right. She and now to get rid of it. Yeah. And now it takes her 10 seconds and she can figure it out. Yeah. And so dude, I don't know. I don't know who uses eBay. Why would you use eBay? I don't know. I don't know. Unless if you're into uh, boats or, you know, RVs and stuff like that and you need parts. <laughs> okay. Okay. I could see eBay sort of, you know, being more niche and, you know, like more robust than Craigslist, you know, yeah. where I do, like, I still sit on Craigslist all mm-hmm. day long. Like, Dude, I'm I like, wish, I, w- I wish they would redesign Craigslist. I kind of like that it <laughs> is what it is because everything else is so redesigned, you yeah. know, like everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very the, simple. It's, it's like, okay. 2009 me Craigslist is no different than 2020 me Craigslist. You know? <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> weird, just, right? I'm still looking at, you know, guitars and, and Dude, amps and, you know, you could, you looking could, at, you know, who's going to sell what, furniture. You could yeah. have a DeLorean in like 2100 <laughs> and go back at any point and you wouldn't know what year it was if you looked at Craigslist. You'd be like, fuck, what year is it? <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> And I think that's what's wonderful about it is just like it's it's there, you know, and it doesn't – that's cool. It's really cool because everything else does change. Everything else is always like hyping itself up to be mm-hmm. the new, like, I want your attention. I want your engagement. Yeah. And things like, you know, something like Craigslist, it feels – it's nice. It's like, okay – Shit's been solid. Nothing is solid anymore. I mean, dude, your phone is not even the same as your phone mm-hmm. from two years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, got to have a little consistency some here, somewhere mm-hmm. here and there. Have you seen The Social Dilemma? Did you no, I've been, I've been meaning to. I've been meaning to. I haven't yet. I know. I've, I've heard a lot of chatter about it. Uh-huh. So it's, uh, yeah, it's got my interest. And I definitely, I've I read the book, uh, Coddling of the American Mind. Yeah, which is I've really read that good. too. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, well, I read that book. I don't need, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't really, but I, I, yeah, I definitely am interested in sort of seeing that. The the most fascinating part to me that they do a very good job of explaining in a mm-hmm. very simple way is that you're not seeing the same stuff that everybody else is seeing. Yeah. Like you, you, uh, you have an argument or a discussion with somebody who is extremely one direction you're like how could they possibly think that way based on all the information that i'm reading all the time Mm -hmm. and it's because they're not reading the same information you are yeah they're getting a different filter based on the algorithm and what it's sending and Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah it becomes a comfort creature and so the only thing that everybody experiences the same is the interface right yeah so the interface everybody's you know whether it's Facebook or Instagram or, or the website, whatever. Um, that's about it. And then from there on, it's it's all your own curated madness, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, people get fucking goofy. People really get fucking mm-hmm. goofy. And <laughs> yeah, you know, you know who I want to talk to is Dan Goldman. Dude. Because that he... Is, that is a name and a person I've been trying to get a hold of a very long time now. And uh-huh. I, yeah. I'd love yeah, to talk to, to him. Get, yeah. He... Dude, he blew my fucking mind 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what he's read by now. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he and went I down some wormholes, man. He and I, yeah, definitely have gone down a lot of rabbit holes and conversations and... Yeah, some lot of late nights after, you know... Spending an extra hour past midnight, you know, rigging up shit up in the sky. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all right, I'm too wired up to go home. Let's mm-hmm. go hang out and <laughs> smoke a bowl and <laughs> drink some booze. And stuff. like, yeah, 
Yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, he is. He, yeah, I miss that guy. He is. He was awesome. He was yeah. definitely fun to talk with about fucking all sorts of crazy things going on in life. Were you there too when um, I think his name was Brian? I can't remember his last name. He had like gray curly hair. He only worked there for like a year. He's probably like 45, 50. I remember him. He was the first person that ever told me that the moon, told me about the moon landing hoax. Oh, like, yeah, the, the, uh, that just introduction to the, yeah, as I was like, people think that. I was like, no way. And he's like, I got these really cool DVDs for you. You got to check them out. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, That did not compute. It's like flat earth. I've yeah, never yeah, heard yeah. of that shit before. Right. And uh, I watched them and they're pretty out there. But that th- this goes back to what I want to talk about. Um, there's a lot of censoring going on yeah. where Twitter decides what's fake and what's real. Yeah. They flag yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the new gatekeepers. They are. Yeah. And maybe some of the shit coming out of the White House is blatantly false. Mm-hmm. You can't, dude, that's a slippery slope. You can't start deciding. They're, they cannot be in charge of what des- is deciding what is real and what's not. Because yeah. then what happens, what if what if there is some crazy theory mm-hmm. that drinking Coors Light cures COVID? Right. And everybody's like, that's fucking retarded. Yeah. Maybe it's true. Yeah. And now Twitter's <laughs> saying you can't say that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. it's real. Like you have, to, I don't know, yeah. man, you got to let people say what they're going to say. I don't know, that sucks when a private corporation, mm-hmm. and it sucks for them too to have to decide what to censor and what to say is what real is real and what's not. Yeah. Like that's that's a serious, serious path, man. I, uh, this is the one subject that I've, in the last like three, four years, I've been really deep diving into. Okay, get because on of, then. Because of, yeah, it all started, like it really, it, my, my, my curiosity peaked when Alex Jones got banned, or banned. Mm-hmm. And then it was interesting to see a coordination of all, all the applications banning him, pretty much relatively like within a span of like a month or two months. So I was curious to see like, okay, so this is what it means to become a person non grata, persona non grata. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, say what you will about Alex Jones, whether you like him or hate him or def- I, I'm not, I don't want to, def- I'm not to, to defend him. I, what I'm interested in is a person with a voice who got bigger and became a competitor to the mainstream, mm-hmm. became a competitor to the, to the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And that was posing a threat because they want to control the market of information. And he disrupted that. And whether or not, you know, he had, you know, he, he's crazy, you know, you know, he's got, you know, but at the same time, there's like so many times where it's like, you know, when he says something like the frogs are, they're making the frogs gay, you're like on the face, like, what the fuck does that mean? But Mm -hmm. when you look into it, you're like, oh, fuck, I know what he means, Mm, right? Yeah. So that was, that's becoming a problem with a sort of uh, a twofold heterodoxy. First one is the uh, designers and arbitrators of the applications are all on the same ideological spectrum. So mm-hmm. they're in a bubble themselves and they see the world as that bubble and that anything outside of that becomes right wing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, so that becomes a problem because it becomes the cult of ideology and ideologies, uh, that, uh, become permissible are the ones that they push into the mainstream for Fox and for CNN and for all the other to regurgitate. Mm -hmm. Right. So you see the pattern, whatever somebody says on Twitter, it goes to the mainstream and it gets reported on. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty much feeling like they're the bridge. Uh, between mainstream communications, not mainstream culture. Mainstream culture is now a wild west. It used to be sort of mainstream culture sucked on the teat of mainstream television. You know, everybody got their information from PBS or ABC, NBC, or whatever. Now there's YouTube, and then there's people, tons, hundreds of channels on YouTube where everybody's got a voice and everybody's got something to say. That's fine and dandy when the numbers are sort of like, okay, there's millions here, but they're all not, you know, they're all fragmented, segmented markets. Mm -hmm. it, it, it becomes a problem when somebody can galvanize all that landscape into one market. And that's what Alex Jones did. Yeah. And that's what sort of like created the censorship. Now you have sort of the ideological spectrum of what they believe in with the Silicon, quote unquote, Silicon Valley is what they say, right? And they're in a globalist sort of like, we're left-leaning globalists. We want uh, a global community because their platform reaches not only people in the United States, but in China and in India and Pakistan and, you know, wherever else in the world that has Wi-Fi or internet connection. And that becomes a problem when you have uh, religious ideolo ideologies on one sector of the earth and then political ideologies that uh, conflict with those religious ideologies. Mm -hmm. So they have to become sort of the mitigators or sort of the uh, a way to facilitate without sort of like, you know, they don't want to be responsible for some sort of global war mm -hmm. is what they see themselves as. That's what, you know, and it's been, that's been, touted and, 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 and broadcast a lot through a lot of the media conferences for, you know, like Jack Dorsey or, or what's the dude from Patreon? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I forget his name. Anyway, uh, you see a lot of that, you know, so they start seeing like, okay, we have to control information in a way where, it, you know, whatever's being said in the United States is not going to, you know, create some sort of like reaction from some other state, you know, some other country or whatever. So they feel like Alex Jones was getting too big to be a competitor ideologically. He's on the right because he wants freedom of speech and doesn't want to control speech. Mm -hmm. And he wants to say all the crazy shit that he wants to say, right? And whereas they feel like, no, we have to control these because everybody needs what's called equity in this platform where everybody can, you know, have the same experience. Yeah, I mean, they they don't want any one individual who has no boss yeah. in control of, right. of disseminating information. Yeah. And regardless of how crazy he sounds, he's right some of the time. Yeah. And to censor him or ban him or disown him or anyone, yeah. including the fucking president of the United States, which I think he's a crazy person, and I don't agree with most of what he says, but... I mean, just recently, he was holding some press conference, and every major network stopped. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Stop showing what he was saying. And they're like, right. he's lying. It's, yeah. He's full of shit. He's lying. Yeah. And it's like, maybe that's true. But, but you, nonetheless, you, got, you, you gotta don't... still show it, man. Right. Yeah, you that's... can you can do a post game, you know, analysis exactly. and say where he is lying. Yeah, they don't want to do that. Even they want to control. They want to control the experience. It's it's really weird. It's a weird time that we're in because I hear a lot of people talk about in the YouTube world uh, that we're sort of being run by oligarchs. These tech oligarchs, you mm -hmm. know, the tech oligarchs are the ones that you know manage Google, manage you know, YouTube, manage, you know, all our communications and all that stuff. And and they're the ones sort of like, you know, another arm of the government, basically. Mm. We don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird time. I know that there's things that with certain platforms, there's what's accepted and what's not accepted. And that keeps shifting around and it's very fickle. And that's the problem. It's not a, here's the hard stance, you know, no Nazi talk. Right, but at the same time, no Antifa talk mm -hmm. on this platform. Yeah. Well, they don't do that. They allow Antifa to like broadcast, communicate, uh, disseminate information, create events, you know, all that stuff. You know, so that's the problem is that we're seeing, um, you know, a censoring of a certain type of group over another type of group, and another type of group going like, well, these guys are far worse. <laughs> Right. You, keep, you keep saying that these guys over here are the problem, mm -hmm. but uh, every time we look over here, you know, this shit's burning, they're, this shit's looting, this yeah. shit's fucking rioting, yeah. this shit's fucking Yeah, but they're on, on this side, and that's the side the network is on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's not cool. No. It's not cool, man. And again, this is sort of like whoever controls the narrative today controls it for the future. Mm -hmm. And that's the the problem, you know. That's how we look at, we either don't look at history or, or when we do look at history, you know, you have these ideas and where did those ideas come from? Who told you those ideas about history? And it's not until you start, okay, you read a book from, let's just pick a, an event in the past. Like, oh, let's talk about JFK, like his assassination, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the authorized books quote unquote, authorized books on JFK assassination. And then there's the unauthorized books. Mm -hmm. Both talk about the same event, but mm -hmm. have different information and different takes. Yeah. So who do you? Well, it makes you wonder about ancient history too. Maybe those oh, guys absolutely. are full of shit too. Yeah, yeah. It, it just goes back. I mean, I'm, I'm just yeah. using that as an example of yeah. like, you know, the greater narrative of how we are informed about our past is being manipulated today. Yeah. Like the idea of that, like we're just an inherently racist country, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we had racist incidents, but are we inherently racist? You know? And what does that mean? You know? I don't so, know. So, uh, and then people throw on their moral attributions to, yeah. you know, get a, to win the argument, essentially. Mm -hmm. So you demonize certain things, certain bits of information to make your oral, moral argument, you know, on a stand on a higher hill. Yeah, to convince people, because that's yeah. the goal, is right. to convince people to believe what you believe. Yeah. Which, most of the time, most of the time you're not going to change anyone's opinion. People believe what they believe. And I don't know when they form that opinion. Maybe they're like mm. early teens, late teens, but usually... 
I mean, yeah, you're more impressionable when you're younger, for yeah. sure. And then when you're older, you're like, oh, I'm wiser now. I know, mm -hmm. I see the bullshit, right? Well, I mean. If you get the self-awareness. Have you heard that, that, I don't know how the saying goes, but it's like uh, young people are liberal, old people are conservative. Like yeah. you yeah, shift yeah. over time, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? And so by the time you're old, you're like, yeah, you fucking idiots. I used <laughs> yeah. to be a liberal too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Which it's, is, I mean, it's part of youth. I mean, it's part of life is like you're, you know, when you're young, you're, you, you got virile energy and you want to, you know, you just want to run. Change the world. Change the world. Do whatever it is, you know. You, you want action. You, act, you know, you just got the energy to, mm -hmm. and uh, now that I'm in my 40s, I'm like, well, when can I sneak a nap? When, <laughs> when can I... <laughs> All right, I got this appointment. I got. <laughs> can I take a nap before I go to this appointment? It's uh, fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, man. There's a lot of demonizing of people who change their opinion too. Like, sure. if you if you believed something ten years ago or twenty years ago, and now you have a different opinion, like that's that should be viewed as a good thing. That means yeah. you evaluated information over time, and you you changed. You don't have to be the exact same kid. No. I mean, you don't have to have the same opinions you did when you were 14 years old, yeah. when you're yeah. 90 years old, you know? Yeah. It makes me wonder because, okay, <clears throat> you want to be principled, right? And principled means you want to, you're grounded in a uh, set of beliefs or truths that, um, are undeniable so that you can build a foundation of who you are as existing in society. To what point do you let go and accept new information to either add on to the beliefs that you have or to completely destroy the beliefs you have? Mm -hmm. And that's always a tricky thing. Well, that's area. what that's what uh, going back on a, on a religion is. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. if you if you spend your entire life believing in Jesus Christ and mm -hmm. uh, in the, the 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 great book, mm -hmm. and then you reach sixty and you're like, eh, I'm kind of feeling like Buddha these days. Like right. that, that that totally shifts your entire identity. Yeah, so that's that's what you know. So therefore, <sighs> this is a tricky thing about identity. Right? Is how much emotional stake are you going to put into your identity? Mm -hmm. I'm a sound guy. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. I'm a sound guy. I show up. I, you know, got the sound. You're right? All right. You're not working in 2020. No. You're not a sound guy anymore. Yeah. What are you? Mm -hmm. You know? Are you still a sound guy? Yeah. I don't know. It's, so that's the thing. It's like, I, it, it really, it, it shakes me. To, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that shakes me to the core. Like, you can invest on yourself, you know, whatever that is that you do. And then one day something disruptive comes along and shatters every effort that you put forth. And just leaves you, like, you know, totally decimated. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people going through that right now. Yeah. Trying to figure out something else to do. Yeah. I'm very grateful that I didn't lose my job. I still work. Uh, my employer has been super awesome yeah. and, and always taking care of all of us. There's a part of me that wishes I had been let go. Yeah. So I had 
I was really like, forced yeah. to figure out something else. To let it like break, break the matrix and like. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's it's an awful thing for many, many people in the across the entire world. But for some other people, maybe maybe this is like, if you want to look at it positively, maybe this is the thing that pushed mm-hmm. thousands of people to do something different. And then they just tap yeah. into something crazy that they never would have fucking thought of. And then we just go somewhere different. I don't know. Maybe it's a so. good thing. I hope so. I hope so. I, that's that's a very optimistic point of view. I like it. I can I can totally see that happening in many ways. You know, um, you know what's that saying of uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. But at, you know, at the same time, a lot of people are not capable of uh, pivoting, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll be lost in the wash. Mm-hmm. So it's like they'll get jobs at Amazon. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> Everything's so automated now. Like yeah. really, like low skill, low brain work. Um, it's becoming replaced. Like my job will eventually be replaced. Oh, and what I'm do- I'm jobs. like I'm at the thread. Like I'm holding on to the you know the the thread end of a big rope. You know whatever. Yeah. Just trying to hope that you know I can climb up on it. But um, yeah, I mean my work. I pretty much facilitate between three online applications. I connect those applications and I make sure that those applications are connected. It sounds very important. All from sitting home. It's very important. It is. It's very important for the people who need those applications. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that's the thing is like eventually (laughs) there's going to be an application that will manage what I do. There's there's no robots that can do that. They need you. No. Just make the case. no, my job is definitely easily replaced. <laughs> easily replaced okay, by robots. It. <laughs> I'm kind of well, well. It's because I phase myself out of this job. <laughs> this is what sucks is I like the benefits and the pay. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten. I mean, despite this year, I've still gotten uh, increase of living mm-hmm. pay. So that's good. They're making money. So yeah. Well, they're losing and making money. But anyway, uh, the. Uh, the thing about it is, like, I feel like the entertainment industry is completely being, uh, the board game is being just, like, flipped on its end. Yeah. You know? And everything is going to be now on a parallel scale where those who did have the vaccine can have the privilege- privileges of attending mm-hmm. such and such event- events, concerts, magic shows, whatever, comedy. Those that don't get the vaccine will be excluded, but then there'll be a new, like, hey, we don't care type of market, you know, like, here you go. Black market. You're on your own. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, hey, do this gig, but we're not going to test to make sure you're COVID-free before you enter the premises or, you know, that's that kind of thing, you know. So there's going to be these parallel worlds where, you know, this industry, our inter- you know, our industry, which is basically entertainment industry, it's mm-hmm. facilitating technology into the entertainment industry. It's going to have, um, it's going to create a new wake of two different parallel universes happening at the same time. And occasionally they'll, they'll sort of connect and intersect and it could be wonderful and beautiful. And then other times it's just going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, man. It, I, I don't, I mean, 
I see it recovering last. You, I mean, you're not going to go to Lollapalooza or Coachella for maybe years. Yeah. Who fucking knows, yeah. man? Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. is so insane. That is. And it, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. Like, you would think that all these musicians who would normally be touring right now would just be writing tons of songs. But, you know, I don't really hear about anybody putting anything out. Maybe I'm just not tapped yeah, into it as much. I don't know. But, I don't know. but that's the thing. So... You got big name acts like U2. They'll be impacted by COVID. You know, they won't be able to do the world tour shows that they used to do mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But then you got, you know, a middle, I don't know, some KCRP type of band that gets, you know, they'll just produce from home, you know, and then just play from home and people, they'll, they'll create new subscribers, you know. So yeah. the new fans are going to be subscribers and everybody will sort of like, have subscribers mm-hmm. for their for their but i don't think anything like big that would like youtube uh, i don't know why i'm using them but they're just they're they they, they they're mainstream right there's just yeah. undoubtable that they can go anywhere in the world and say we're gonna play here and they'll sell out yeah without a doubt they'll, they'll be impacted you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, and I mean, it's a bummer for them because I'm sure they love it and they make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. But they're going to be fine. But there is But a, it's the roadies. Exactly. The, there, there's a yeah. core group of- Lighting design. A hundred people who yeah. rely on that shit. Yeah. And they have a very specific job. Yeah. They're, they're, the riggers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All those yeah. guys. Yeah. Everybody that unloads a truck, uh, everybody that uh, you know runs lights- sound mm-hmm. um you know yeah all that stuff yeah the other weird thing too that i'd never really considered is like all the catering for for yeah. all these events yeah. man like all the catering companies and t- it sucks so bad for anybody who was like like throwing in they're like 2019 was badass i'm Fuck it, let's go all in. Twenty twenty is gonna be the shit, and then oh. they just put everything in. Oh, man. Three months in, it's like, <laughs> oh, we don't have jobs Heartbreak. anymore. Heartbreak. Oh man, that is something Total I would do heartbreak. too, man. It's yeah. like just go all in, and then <laughs> at the worst possible moment. Oh man, I can. It sucks. Yeah, I feel uh, that's it's it sucks. It sucks for those people. Like you know, I'm I'm thinking about the, all the times when I worked at the convention center and we had a you know, big show coming in or whatever. And we had to bring in those extra guys, you know, and those extra guys got like, you know, an extra 200 bucks that night. Mm -hmm. They're not getting that anymore, you know, and that meant a lot for those guys, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. A lot of those people can't uh, collect unemployment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're just neither, they're neither employed or unemployed. Yeah. (laughs) It's really fucked up. Yeah, man. I really, uh, Yeah. Yeah, just, oh, man. Well, kind of a sour note, but uh, I think we should shut it down. All right. I've been trying to put them at like two hours because it, uh, cool. it, it's less intimidating for people than like I could three. go longer. I don't Dude, mind. we could talk for another two or three <laughs> hours. I know it. Uh, I'll get you back out here and we'll do another one. All right. Yeah. Cool. I'm totally down. Thank awesome. you for having me. Yeah, What's dude. the name of the podcast? Maxwell's Kitchen. You are live at Maxwell's Kitchen. Broadcast to you on YouTube and all other platforms on the internet. (laughs) That was perfect.